0: HiFM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Good morning and welcome back to Tech Talk right here on High FM And in the studio with me, I've got a whole host of workers. Yeah, can you hear them? They're all sticking foamy stuff on the on the wall because we have moved. Apparently, this is now a much warmer Well, I don't know about that, but certainly a lot safer spot. But anyway, here we are in the new studio, but everything's working. The whole team's still at it. And um, the good news is that the tech news is still... Relevant, exciting, and hot. So stay tuned, listen in, and we'll bring you all the latest in tech, gadgets, commentary, and you name it, along with some weird and wonderful stuff, if I can find any, um, going forward. But anyway, moving on to news of the week, as I usually do. And July brought in a couple of changes across lots of different fronts. But one of them, which was quite significant, and I must uh, give complete um, credit to Hilton Tarrant, who's a great writer, and he does amazing analysis of lots and lots of different things, specifically in the tech and communication space. But anyway, Hilton's done an, an incredible review of the new popular eBucks rewards program changes that have kicked in this month. And I mean, a lot of us bank with FNB. EBucks has been, I wouldn't say, a large part of why we bank, but I think it's a large part of why F&B's been so cool. They always had this great little option running and it sort of worked in the background and you could spend your e-bucks and earn your e-bucks and all sorts of things. Well, over the last few years, I've, I've noticed a worrying trend from all the various um, reward programs. They always start off really, really well with great benefits, lots of energy, lots of interesting stuff to, to buy or to earn or to win or to whatever. And they slowly but surely, and unfortunately, being an accountant myself, I do understand this. The actuaries and the accountants and the businessmen, I think, slowly uh, get the marketing and, and, and guys who do the sales sort of into a corner and quietly shut down a lot of the, the sort of benefits and whatnot. But anyway, I'm sure that everyone who banks with FNB has been getting lots of emails, lots of SMSs, lots of. You know various messages through the app regarding the changes. But re- one of the major, major changes which you should be really aware with of going forward is that they have capped a lot of the benefits. And according to Hilton, this means that um, the this sort of Premier or Platinum customers are going to see a reduction in potential e-bucks earned of anywhere from 33, which is a third, to 80%. And for private client account holders, the drop is somewhere between 16 and 78%. And I'm sorry, I, right up front, got a comment, always had a good experience with FNB. But the minute you cut the benefits to any program by up to 80% across any platform. It doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't matter why you do it. It doesn't matter how you spin it. It's a huge, huge, huge blow. I mean, if you're only earning twenty percent of what you earned last month, it certainly takes the fizz out of everything and certainly makes you rethink about it. So, check it out on your your um, on the eBucks website. And really, it's it's become, I believe. Quite a, a problem as far as FnB are concerned. I don't know if it's enough to drive people away because banking is banking and we all tend to stay fairly loyal to our banks because it is a bit of a schlep and a bit of a hassle to change. but seriously, to drop your your earning potential of your of your clients from anywhere from a third, to 80% is really not cool, and one of the steepest reductions, which I've noticed actually myself, because I always used to buy Shoprite, Checkers vouchers, where I used to get 30% discount on the vouchers in e They've now kept that spend at around about 2,000 rand a month. I mean, it's this. It's really interesting. Go to TechCentral.co.za. Have a look at the um, full article. Uh, regarding F&B from Hilton, and he spells it out really, really, really well at how they work this whole thing. And, I mean, you've got to be a bit of an actuary to figure out all this stuff, but it's a maximum of 10,000 or 20% of your spend. But essentially, the bottom line is that the eBucks cap is 80% lower. So now you could, the maximum you can earn e-bucks is on 2,000 rand per month, and the 20% rule still still applies. So you need to spend 20,000 rand, or somewhat or more, in order just to get two thousand backs, uh, two thousand rands worth of spending. So the maximum amount of e-bucks you can earn on your shopping at Checkers is three thousand e-bucks, which is again a huge reduction. But be aware, it's really, it really has changed dramatically between 2017's rules and 2018 rules for everybody, and the reductions are pretty significant. So be aware of how you do this, um, and just stay alive to the fact that sometimes uh, these things aren't as profitable as they seem. Now, moving on to some more, I think, slightly better news. Um, Emirates, one of the sort of airlines, apart from SAA, who really going nowhere quickly, but Emirates is one of those Middle Eastern airlines that have been doing an amazing job of flying to South Africa over the last few years. And they pioneer something that I think is really, really, really cool. Often you have no clue. You you know, you you book a flight, you try to find a seat that looks good, or, you know, you use uh, a couple of apps like Seat Guru. Good app to remember. Try Seat Guru if you're looking for a good seat on a plane next time you fly. Um, But Emirates have taken it one step further. What What they launched this week is a full 3D seat model map with a virtualization engine that displays a complete 3D 360 degree view of the interior of their new A380s and their, their Boeing 777 aircraft. And they say they're going to expand this considerably over the next couple of months to all their aircraft. And you'll be able to, through the app on your um, your smartphone, using a pair of any any VR types uh, um, glasses or even the the Google Cardboard, which is simply a, a uh, you put your phone into a simple little folded cardboard VR device with two little plastic lenses and you can move around and get absolute VR uh, experiences for really very, very, very little money. But I have tried it and it really works amazingly. You can wander around the plane, walk up and down, turn your head, look up, look down, check your seat out. It's very, very, very cool. So if you want, you can go and have a look at the online um, Videos of how it works and you can see exactly what's going on on emirates.com uh, or you can check out on on uh, the article I wrote about this on uh, Business Brief, bebrief.co.za. Go check it out there and uh, have a look at your next flight. At least you can check out what you're doing on your um, on your plane before you even get on the plane. So nothing wrong with that. So before we go on to the next little news article, because that one I'm going to talk a little bit more about, it's Facebook fighting fake news. Fake news has become a huge, huge, huge scourge of the Internet. We all thought it was this lovely place to play, great place to, you know, share your life's moments, get lots of information. And in many respects, it's turned into a bit of a toxic mess of of news that's directed in all the wrong um, Um, places and going everywhere. Who knows? But Facebook have got some really smart AI uh, coming on stream. I'll tell you a little bit more about that shortly. Um, And we'll be back straight after this. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 FM. So now moving on. And that was not fake news, people. Been there. Moose makes them cool uh, confectionery and stuff to eat, but um, Facebook have been fighting this. Well, everyone on the internet across all sorts of platforms have been fighting the the war on truth because, unfortunately, truth is one of those things that you know depends on who you are, where you are, what you do, and the truth has been used pretty cynically by tons and tons of people for lots of interesting reasons. You name it; it's it's happening out there, and. You know, distort the facts or just say stuff that has no factual basis whatsoever. And Facebook, because of its massive reach, I mean, there are anything between two and three and a half billion people. I mean, just... Go figure, half the population of the world is connecting to Facebook every single day, obviously checking out all their cat videos and puppy pictures and you name it, and and the kids doing stuff and you traveling and looking like you're living the life. But in between all of that, Facebook as a business has been serving up tons of news articles, adverts, you name it, it's there, and it pops up in your timeline. And if it's on the internet, it must be true. Isn't that so? A lot of people are falling for all sorts of biased and factually incorrect news articles. And following the U.S. elections where this became a huge problem, where in many respects um, Russia cynically... Uh, meddled in the election, and perhaps other countries are doing the same thing. Whereas Mark Zuckerberg landed up in front of the U.S. Congress to try to figure out what's going on. Well, the company has now made its latest move to deal with this terrible scourge, and they've hired a startup from Bloomsbury AI. Um, and they're based in the U.K., and apparently they impressed with their Developing technology that can actually understand text and offer deep insight into that text to the extent that it can answer questions about it. Now, AI—something we've spoken about so many times—intelligence, machine learning, topic for Tech Talk Cafe coming up in a few minutes, where we where the the, the headline is: Are we even human anymore? But there's no question that um, technology and the ability to learn from what is going on of machines is certainly changing everything. But now there's new AI team at Bloomsbury AI, and you can actually check them out. Go to their website, bloomsburyai.com, and um, the AI team will be responsible for developing all sorts of tools that can use this artificial intelligence, these algorithms, to weed out undesirable content. And they promise that it can actually distinguish fake news from the truth. How it does it, they keep it a little under their belt. But in truth, um, reading about what uh, the CTO, Sebastian Riedel, was saying, and he actually had a a platform called Factmata, which he used, which again used machine learning to deal with misleading content. So it really does make a lot of sense to use these type of platforms that go through the various articles that are about to be posted or potentially should be posted, or even the ones that are up there um, live. Check them out. Fact check them against the evidence in place and remove them if they absolutely and completely don't meet the sort of um, criteria. Or even if they're fairly softly adjusting of the truth, which propaganda often does. You know what they say, a 90% true thing with 10% lie can be just as powerful. So good on Facebook. Obviously, the the, 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 the fake news scandal that hit them of late has had an effect <clears throat> and has definitely forced them to look long and hard at the content that they're serving up to their billions of of users over the next little while so expect to see less and less Weird and wonderful stuff, unless you follow people who insist on reposting weird and wonderful stuff. But even those articles should be targeted. If they're factually incorrect, complete fake news, you'll probably find that those articles land up just disappearing. So if you're one of those guys who like sharing these weird things that come on the web, you might find they just quietly disappear over the next little while. Now moving on to some more uh, exciting news and something that I believe is going to bring a complete new era to South Africa and Africa. Terrico, now Teraco is a data center. They opened up <clears throat> a couple of years ago, and they're right next to the airport for a couple of really good reasons. The airport is one place in the country, apart from other sort of politi- politically connected places, that never has load shedding. Absolutely 100% guarantee of power to um, the airport and its immediate surrounds. So Teraco have got a massive data center in Jet Park right near... Um, the airport, and they've just announced that they're going to expand that facility by a billion rand over the next little while. And I mean, that is just a huge, huge, huge growth in the data center. It's going to occur in two phases. Phase one, which is they're busy with right now, will grow the facility by 2,000 cabinets, bringing the total capacity to 5,700 cabinets. And if you can just it doesn't sound like much but that many cabinets that many servers that much storage is pretty insane that's already uh, about 4000 square meters of of floor space expanding to 12000 square meters across the campus by the towards the end of 2019 right now if anyone's interested they're using about 60 megawatts of power every day and that's going to go up to 80 megawatts of power uh, in the next little while. But the bottom line here is that the expansion of data centers is absolutely following the key trend of what's going on in the Internet. More and more devices are connecting. Your smartphone is is connecting to lots of other things. And most importantly, you and I are streaming and viewing and consuming tons and tons of video and audio content. More and more Everything is going online, and you don't even think about it. You pick up your phone, you sit down at your TV, or you watch video YouTube videos on your computer. You don't even think where they're coming from. Right now, the vast majority – well, maybe not the vast, but certainly more than 70% of the videos that we consume in South Africa are streamed across massive international links coming from the U.S., coming from Europe, coming from data centers that sit outside of the African continent – And the growth of data centers in the African continent is absolutely key. The reason being it takes to get a file from San Diego to Johannesburg takes at the absolute bare minimum 300 to 400 milliseconds return trip. So you you hit the button on your computer. It takes 200 milliseconds to send the information to a server sitting in San Diego or Los Angeles, and then it takes another 200 milliseconds before that information comes back to you. And the easiest way to figure that one out is try to use Siri or even Google. um, Right now, I'm not going to say the word because if I say it, all my phones light up and start talking to me, which is not cool. But if you ask Siri to do something, it takes a, a discernible time delay while the thing's thinking, you think it's thinking, it's not thinking. It's sending information from here to the servers in Cupertino or wherever they sit, probably an island, and then the information comes back. And it's just very unnatural, very slow, and very awkward. With all these data centers growing in South Africa, they will move the edge of the internet or the main starter storage and even the processing of these various platforms into South Africa onto the African continent, and it has massive implications for simple stuff like Siri, but also for businesses, businesses who are moving more and more into the cloud um, and putting more and more of their platforms in the cloud. You can't have delays. You need instant processing. You need direct access to those servers. Lots of laws like GDPR and Poppy are coming into place for certainly companies where they store their data, how it's transmitted across borders. So the growth of data centers and this investment from Teraco is just, I believe, the beginning of the explosion of data centers and, and massive hyperscale server farms sitting in the African continent, hopefully most of them in South Africa, good for our economy, and definitely will bring a, a lot better Internet to all of us sitting right here at home. On that note, we're going we're to have a quick break for our sponsors, and then I'll be back with Tech Talk Cafe. Hi, <laughs> Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen- Well, welcome back. And just had an interesting conversation in the studio about our new mobile network in South Africa called RAIN. Now, RAIN, just to give you a little bit of context, many people might have heard of iBurst. Now, iBurst over the years was a system, a platform that offered wireless internet. And its main claim to fame is that all the lotto machines – now, this is a lot of people don't know this – WBS, the company behind Rain and the company behind iBurst, um, powered the connectivity to all the lotto machines. The lotto machines didn't rely on telecom, didn't rely on the mobile networks. They had a private little network run by WBS, and that network allowed those machines to always communicate with the main servers and to you know, issue the lotto cards or your winnings or whatever it was. And that's where they they began over the years but uh, iburst was a great solution at the time and it worked pretty well but they've evolved tremendously and rain is their latest offering from this group and what it is it's the latest 4.5 4.9 g 4 gene type network which they say uses only the latest equipment and i can't argue with them they're offering pretty amazing speeds and if you put it into a device that can show you, it'll always show 4G+, Plus, which is the fastest 4G network. And they've just gone live with their, their data sim, and they promise one thing. One, their prices are about half the price of anything from uh, Vodacom, MTN, even Telcom, which is probably the, the cheapest on mobile data. So their prices are about half. And the second and most important thing, their data never expires. So if you buy a certain amount of, from them, well, it, they work it differently. You don't buy a certain amount. You pay them when at the end of the month uh, for the amount of data you 've used, and so you never you never pay for what you don 't use they 've also got a two hundred and fifty rand unlimited data offering between certain hours you can check it out on their website rain um, and it 's actually good value it 's certainly the cheapest mobile data on the market right now. There is one huge caveat and one huge thing to remember. Although they're offering SIMs that you can pop into any 4G phone, doesn't work with anything else. It's only 4G. Um, they don't offer phone calls. They don't offer SMS, only data. And secondly, their coverage right now is only Johannesburg, Cape Town, Durban, and a few other major metros across the country. So it's not something you can't chuck out your Vodacom SIM uh, or your MTN SIM. And replace it with a ransom. But if you've got a dual SIM phone, it might well, might really well be well worth your while to put a ransom into the secondary port and use that for data wherever you can and when you've got signal. And when you don't have signal, the phone should automatically switch to your other SIM and use the data on there. But uh, I know that gets complicated and we're always looking for a deal. But check it out, rain.co.za. Check their website out and have a look at what is going on there. It's it's really, really good value. Now, moving on to the topic of the day, um, I actually tried to get a speaker in today to talk about this because it is a huge, huge, huge thing that is coming down the road. I mentioned it very briefly um, during the drive show on Tuesday morning. And the artificial intelligence and the rise of robots and AI and machines is really going um, ahead full steam. We're living in a world where this type of stuff might sound esoteric. It might sound out there. You know, who cares? Life continues. We move on and do what we need to do. But it is fundamentally changing everything and our interaction with everyone. And no greater controversy in the last couple of months has been sparked by a demonstration that Google did at their developer conference. Basically, what they did, without warning people too much, they said they want to play an interaction of people or voices – making a booking at a restaurant completely off the charts. In other words, it wasn't scripted. It was totally and utterly, although they did give a caveat that the system doesn't always work as well, and they showed us the best of it. But essentially, they've come up with a platform that, based on your instruction, you say, do me a favor, hi, Google, please make me a reservation at so-and-so restaurant for 7 o'clock on Tuesday night. What the computer did, what Google's AI did, is it Actually, made a phone call to a Chinese restaurant um, and negotiated with a person who didn't speak very clear English. Spoke all sorts of uh, curveballs about uh, making a booking and everything, and it actually made a booking using a totally natural-sounding human voice, which went ummed and ah and paused and and waited and really was unbelievably. Um, as i 've just done just unbelievably um, um real, and they tried it again, making a hairdressing appointment and it sparked massive controversy first and foremost, the voice did not identify that it was a computer and not a human, so people could theoretically be fooled by a computer to do and say and agree to things that they they may not have if they were informed that it was a a, a robot and Google have said that in future. All these type of interactions will be prefaced with, hi, I am uh, a Google bot, I'm phoning you from Google, and uh, I need to make a reservation. But still, the fact that the voice is so natural and so easy and so simple um, and so smart is really pretty stunning. And it, it asks the question, Is are we human, or what is the definition of human anymore? If a computer can phone you, have a complete conversation uh, with all sorts of interesting curveballs and all the pauses that you don't even think for one second that that is not a human that you're talking to. It changes a whole lot of things. And it was very interesting. Some research was done in the UK recently, which asked people about their propensity to accept artificial intelligence in robots and things. And what was fascinating, they found in Japan, where they believe in something called the animus, which is the sort of the thing that your soul, your whatever you want to call it, residing in non-animate objects, they believe the animus can be in trees and in rocks. Interestingly, uh, the Kabbalah says the same thing. But apart from that, they were quite accepting of the fact that a robot itself may become fairly intelligent and There is a huge – Japan is definitely way ahead in robotics, and they are creating companion robots because they have a massive aging population which needs companionship. And they've created the most remarkable companion robots, companion platforms that talk to you and interact with you and assist you and call help if it needs be, um, almost – pretty autonomously from many, many, many respects, whereas on the same token, and and the people there had no problem with those robots sounding human. In other words, doesn't matter. They don't have to identify themselves. They can sound human as long as they do their job, whereas the same questions asked in Europe and America found that people are very, very skeptical of robots that sound human which is very interesting. They don't mind AI assistants. They don't mind uh, robots that uh, do work, but they are a little skeptical and perhaps a little bothered by the fact that these particular devices, for want of a better word right now, um, sound too human or look too human for that matter. So there's a massive sort of divide in the world about what's going on. But the growth of AI is definitely um, growing tremendously. We're seeing it in the whole autonomous car issue more and more. Most companies are talking by the latest 2020 self-driving cars will be on the road. Some even predict they'll be out there by 2018. And in fact, Mercedes-Benz, Tesla, Volvo, a lot of companies right now have cars that are capable of fully autonomous driving. There have been a number of accidents, notably in the U.S. with with Tesla who have been pushing the envelope pretty hard, where they have a completely autonomous driving platform which needs a constant intervention and watching from humans. But that one's been dialed back a little because of the various accidents. But there are lots. Waymo are trying a whole whack of autonomous um, vehicles Japan again have promised that by 2020 for the world for the Olympics in 2020 there'll be fleets of autonomous vehicles wandering around Tokyo ferrying people up and down. And I mean imagine getting off the plane, walking to the curb and a car pulls up and the door opens and there's nobody inside and you say to it, "Please take me to the what the Hilton." Uh, wherever and it says no problem and it drives you down the highway completely autonomously i don't know how many would get into that in fact it'd be quite interesting we can't see what's i don't know if you can sms but uh, i forget the number but it'd be interesting to 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 get some feedback from my listeners who would get into a car without a driver in a foreign country and ask it to take you to the hotel what is the sms line 34519. Just SMS me your your um, response. Would you get into a, a taxi that would take you to a hotel in a foreign country without a driver? Completely autonomous right now. Yes or no. Just say autonomous yes or no. It'd be so, so interesting to hear that. But we are definitely heading into that space and we're definitely heading into uh, a fully autonomous world. And SAS. Now, SAS, this is actually very interesting. Unfortunately, it, Being Thursdays, I can't attend any functions on a Thursday morning because I'm here keeping you all updated on the latest tech news. But SAS Africa, now SAS have been an intelligence company for many, many years. They created the massive data mining or data platforms or or intelligence or business, they used to be called business intelligence. Now they're called artificial intelligence. But anyway, business intelligence platforms have been SaaS's business for many, many, many years. And they they facilitated the ability for companies with massive data, banks, insurance companies, anybody with huge huge amounts of data to sift that data, to find insights, to use that data in the most um, effective way. And they... um, They had a little event in Johannesburg, and they were just talking about how data is going to be used in the decision-making process going forward. Dessen Naidu, the the VP of SAS Africa, gave a really great um, example. So he asked the audience how many of them would predict who would win the soccer World Cup based on their gut and their heart, and how many would make this type of decision based on Data and analytics, and 99% of the people in the audience, apparently I wasn't there, but uh, colleagues of mine who were, said that most people said they would do it based on their understanding of soccer and their understanding of what's going on and who's the strongest team without any facts or data on the on the ground, and imagine making multi billion rand. We talked about this massive data center coming to Africa. Why would they spend a billion rand on a data center unless they had absolutely concrete? Well, concrete nothing's concrete, but certainly enough data, enough facts to make those decisions. And that amount of data, that amount of um, information, and the analytics and the collaboration that goes in with that is 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 core to the whole new AI type field, and the whole thing about where we can go with um, AI in terms of its growth in terms of what it can do and how it can actually help doing things uh, within the in the business space and that affects you and I so bots conversational systems you 're going to see more and more of them. Oracle just launched their new platform for bots where you can simply text a bank, for example, and without having to phone them, without having to interact with a human being, you can get tons of information. In fact, all their frequently asked questions, or FAQs as they call them, can be put onto a platform where you can simply ask you know, what is the interest rate on my savings account? And it'll give you that information straight off the bat without you having to interact with a human. What is the balance on my account? It can give you that, obviously, subject to certain authentication, uh, that it's you. But this type of interaction is going to get more and more conversational, more and more natural, and a lot easier. It will be a lot simpler than log. Switching on your smartphone, logging into your banking app, finding the correct account, attaching the balance. Wouldn't it be just cooler to just simply um, WhatsApp your uh, bank and say, uh, what is the balance in my current account right now? And the bank will come back and say, Mr. Ambrose, please give me your secret code or whatever it is. And you'll say, here it is. Say, your balance is X, Y, Z. Thank you very much. Quick, easy, simple. Or even better, transfer five thousand rand from this account to that account. And it does it for you because it knows all about you. It can authenticate you. You're on a secure platform. Your smartphone, um, hard to spoof. So these type of interactions are going to get more and more and more. But one of the guests at the show, which was really fascinating, was a gentleman. um, I completely forget his name, but um, I'll get it for you right now. But this gentleman has actually, he is colorblind. He cannot see colors. So he had some antenna implanted in his head. Uh, which can be linked to the internet, which is even more fascinating. And those antenna uh, allow him to see co- or to hear color as sound. Now, that's a bit of a cyborg. He's known as the world's first cyborg. But again, this is technology that's crossing or blending technology with humans. And who knows where the one begins and the one ends. But we are going to see a massive rise in robots. We are going to see a massive rise in smart platforms, platforms that I believe there's a huge debate around that. We're certainly seeing the the question being asked, is it going to put us all out of work? My simple answer to that is, Workers have evolved for hundreds of years. It's going to continue to evolve. But having smart platforms that allow us to use data to make better decisions, having smart platforms that allow us to diagnose disease much more effectively, a perfect example of that is scans. Can you imagine how many scans a radiologist sees in his lifetime or her lifetime? Maybe a couple of thousand, maybe a couple of tens of thousands of scans after lots of training and lots of understanding of how things work, they take an MRI of your brain, obviously e- easy to see simple, you know, big growths and whatnot. But the subtle stuff, the stuff that may be just slightly off, may go missed. But now imagine if every MRI machine in the world was connected to an artificial intelligence platform, which is happening right now through the major guys like Siemens and Philips. And the artificial intelligence platforms these platforms with learnt algorithms can then process millions upon millions of mris and start diagnosing or finding uh, anomalies that would previously be totally missed by someone who just cannot see so big data And the amount of data that you use and how that data is processed is going to bring a massive revolution to all aspects of how you and I interact, how you and I do pretty much everything. It fundamentally will change business. Again, funny how the whole uh, thing is fitted together. Massive data centers, what sits in data centers, not just data, not just data, not just information, not, not just all the pictures you take on Facebook, but all your business data. Lots of computing power, platforms, systems, you name it, all sitting just an internet connection away. And if it's sitting in Johannesburg, it takes less than a millisecond to get to. If it's sitting in New York or San Diego or San Francisco, it can take half a second to get there. So we are definitely seeing the growth of massive data in Africa. And there's no question that these are going to change the platforms across everything that we do, everything that we see. Everything that we touch going forward. And um, we're going to see more and more of this, and it's going to become harder and harder to discern. And f- for myself, I have no problem with picking up my phone and saying, Hey, Siri, oops, it might, yeah, it did, it listened. Hey, Siri, please make me a reservation at uh, such and such restaurant for Tuesday night for six people and let me know uh, if it can be done. And Siri goes on and does that. But now, how does it do it? It can't do it through an app. It's going to make a phone call. That phone call might be natural, might be easy, and it comes back to me and say, and it then adds it to my diary saying, you're all set. Siri's okay. <laughs> so busy chatting away to me. but um, And you're all set for the appointment. You can do the same for doctors. You can do it for anything that you want to do. So on that note, we're going to have to continue this conversation about being human in a technology world straight after this. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, welcome back. And this is extremely human. i And mean, we're talking about pie works. And we're talking about saucy burgers, flame grilled steaks, tender grilled chicken, and the best succulent beef ribs in Joburg. So if you're not hungry, I'm sure that didn't help much. But I hope you are hungry now. The good folks at the Pie Works and Grill would love to feed you. Ask them about their daily lunchtime special, sushi, and even about hosting the special family occasions. The Pie Works and Grill is in the Genesis Center Fairmount. You can call them now on 011-485-0354, or you can just pop in and get something to eat. Nothing wrong with that. Um, Just to wrap up the whole smart uh, intelligence, artificial intelligence, in many respects, this from a technological point of view expect to see ai or what they call ai it's machine learning it's algorithms it's simply smart stuff uh, going on behind the scene with lots and lots of computing power expect to see it in absolutely everything you're going to see ai enabled blenders for your kitchen you're going to see ai enabled smartphones everywhere you're going to see ai across every business platform that you want and the truth be told, it, sh- it, it really just reflects a shift in how smart machines are coming. The processor that can be embedded in a tiny little chip that they stick into a hairdryer, for example, um, is, is, is more powerful than a smart computer from four or five years ago with enough memory. And the minute you connect it to the Internet, it has the entire database, data processing, and punch of computers across the globe. So – it's pretty pretty impressive how quickly how connected and how powerful these platforms have become and we're going to see that happen more and more and the greatest benefit is that simply devices will get smarter not everyone will be great but certainly i think we're going to see a massive growth in devices that are smarter, anticipate your needs, and do their jobs just a little bit better. And I, for one, cannot wait for the time where my interaction with a device will be entirely voice-based, will not uh, need me to type away for a million miles at my desk. And um, although it's a different skill, I would love to dictate all the articles I read uh, to some sort of bot that quietly formats it, gets it ready and posts it for me, cut down on tons of time, of missing around on the internet. So stay tuned. I will bring you more and more of these smart platforms. In fact, I, I missed the opportunity to tell you about one that uh, crossed my desk this week. It was absolutely fascinating. Um, and it's all about how Google researchers are teaching machines from limited observation of physical objects to infer what is going on behind the scenes. So a good example of that is if you walk into a room and you see a table from a particular angle, and it's only got three legs, you know, human beings instantly know that a table has four legs, so therefore the fourth leg is hidden behind. Now think about it. How does a computer know that? And how do you program a computer to know that there's a fourth leg hiding behind one of the legs simply because of perspective? Well, Google researchers have figured out a way to let machines learn that for themselves. So from a limited amount of views of a particular room particular object the computer itself without any explicit programming can figure out and render exactly what that object would look like from another perspective now just uh, think about that we'll leave it at that for now and i'm going to be talking about one of my favorite things every week is just a cool 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 gadget now nokia who doesn't know nokia Many, many, many people started their mobile life with a Nokia. Everyone, I would say, in the studio and certainly in the office has had a Nokia at some point in their life. Now, Nokia missed the boat. They decided that big touchscreens, when Apple brought them out, were a fad that would go away. Who wants a screen without a keyboard? And, you know, things like that. Well, they certainly blew that one. And after much ups and downs from being the largest manufacturer of mobile devices in the world... They're now a small startup based in Finland, but when I say small startup, they have brought out now into their second year as a small startup, they've brought out a huge range of Android-based phones that are certainly true to the whole Nokia ethos of old. Great cameras, great construction, but what they've added, which is really interesting, I think is great value. Now, I've played with a whole host of different Nokia devices over the last little while, and the latest one that landed up in, on my desk this week, or last week, in fact, was the new Nokia 6.1. They launched the 6 last year, which was great value, um, decent quality smart device. But they've now improved it to the new 6.1, um, and that's just hit the the shelves in South Africa. And right up front, let me tell you, this is a th- it, it is 3,900 3, 3, rand, so around about just under 4,000 rand, you get... A really, really cool-looking smartphone. It's complete aluminium, with a five-point-five-inch screen. It runs the latest version version of Android Oreo eight point one, and they promised to go up to uh, Android nine as soon as that's available. Um, it has all the connectivity you can imagine. It's got a high-res five-point-inch screen, as I mentioned complete with Gorilla Glass, so it's, it's scratch-resistant. It's LTE. It'll even do LTE Advanced. It's got all the latest Wi-Fi, Bluetooth 5. Well, there are not a lot of Bluetooth 5 devices around, but more and more are coming out, and the benefit of Bluetooth 5 is greater range. So if you walk away from your phone, it's not just 10 meters. I think it's up to 15 or sometimes even 20 meters. Secondly, massive improvements in power savings. So, for example, Bluetooth 5 headphones could almost quadruple the amount of battery life. Uh, available because of the smart connectivity and also better sound quality and higher data rates so nothing wrong with that so it also comes with in i think in this sort of space sort of mid-range or lower mid-range space with 32 gigs of storage and uh, you there's an sd card slot so you can even add more storage if you want to store music and videos or whatever it is it also has a really i wouldn't say the best but certainly a decent camera 16 megabyte uh, camera <laughs> On megabyte, a sixteen megapixel camera on the the rear, and it's done in conjunction with Zeiss, and an eight megapixel front camera, and it can actually capture video in four K at sixty frames per second. So you can get really fast, really good videos. In my experience, I've been using it for a little while. The camera's good. It's not great. It's certainly not in the region of twenty thousand rand. Ca- uh, smartphone or 15 to 20,000 Rand smartphone camera, great, but it's very, very, very acceptable to very good. It's not great in low light, very good in in, in normal bright light, um, and very easy to use. Great little camera app, easy to use. The only little drawback that I feel that the 6.1 has, and for the price, it's certainly competitive with anything else out there, is it uses an octa-core 2.2 Cortex processor which is not basically it's a Snapdragon 630 which is a very solid mid-range processor. If you're playing games it slows things down a bit. You can play games, not a problem, but it's not great. Um, Every now and then it stutters a little, even running the latest version of Android and one of the things that um, Nokia promised and I think it's an absolute selling point the version of Android on their phone is absolutely stock standard. They're part of the Android One initiative from from Google. So, in other words, they're promising you the cleanest, latest, freshest, and most updated Android platform out there. And over the years, I've realized a lot of cool phones, a lot of good value from very many many manufacturers is wasted when two years down the road, your phone runs the oldest operating system, certain apps won't work, things don't go great. It's just a a, a real pain. Well, Android... One and the latest version of Android on the Nokia 6.1 guarantees that you'll always, always have the latest version of Android, always be the most secure, and all the apps will work. So in summary, this is an excellent phone. Seriously, seriously, high quality, build quality. People seeing this phone in your hand would never guess that it's less than 4,000 Rand. The screen is great. It's bright. It works well in sunshine. Um, The camera is very good for the money. Uh, It is a little bit slow, but I think most people won't even notice that. So if you're looking for a great brand with good support in South Africa, available from all the operators, 5.5 inch, it's quite heavy. And when you throw a case on it, which I recommend being all aluminum and glass, it might get a tad bulky. That's a little drawback. You've got to feel it. But really, an excellent quality phone, great value, um, great build quality, and all the little cool nokia touches when you switch it on it sounds like a nokia it goes doodle 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 doodle, just like nokia's used to do so check it out i think it's available pretty much anywhere that you can buy smart devices and that's the new nokia 6.1 it really is a rock solid mid-range phone it looks and feels absolutely brilliant so on that note we're going to have a quick break and then i'll be back with a warning and a great new little app that may or may not you know just do something that you need Fire Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome back. And as I was saying, I have a warning and a cool new app for you guys to try out. And this is Android. Well, Samsung, uh, a whole host of reports have been hitting the interwebs out there about their new, people's new Samsung S8 and S9 smartphones sending photos to random contacts, contacts without permission. Now, it could be completely innocent, but some of us may not want our photos to be sent to random people in my phone book for no particular reason. Um, And apparently these have been popping up all over the world. And what's so scary about this is that the photos themselves are sent without any notification on your phone. So in other words, you open up the – and what it relates to is the Samsung SMS app. So if you use – Samsung, unfortunately, always come up with multiple apps. So, for example, you've got the standard Google uh, Android SMS app, which can receive and send SMSs, and then you've got the Samsung-enhanced version of that app. At the same time, you can let Facebook take control of that, and there are a whole host of third-party apps that can do the same thing. But this particular issue seems to center around an update that was – sent to the Samsung SMS app from the Galaxy Store, not the Android Store. So if you don't use the Galaxy Store, don't worry about it. If you don't know what the Galaxy Store is, don't even think about it. But if you do and you update your apps from the Galaxy Store and you use the Samsung SMS app, which it tends to want you to do by default, there may well be a, a bug. And the bug is related to something called RCS. RCS is an is an update For SMS or a replacement for SMS, which allows you, like WhatsApp, through your SMS platform to send pictures and text and all sorts of interesting stuff. So be aware that if you've got an S9 or an S8, I would highly recommend that you use the standard or switch to the standard Android SMS app for now or use the Facebook uh, the Facebook Messenger SMS app to handle your messages until such time as, as Samsung send you a patch because the last thing you need is your entire photo uh, collection to be sent to some random stranger for no particular reason. And as I said, the worst part is that when you go and look at the app on the phone, it doesn't show that you've sent it. And what's so interesting and how it was picked up is that this happened to people who have two Samsungs in the family And uh, and pictures from a husband's phone were sent to a wife's phone. Clearly, they were on the wife's phone. But when they looked on the husband's phone to try to figure out how it was sent, there was no notification that those pictures were actually sent. Uh, Samsung say they're working on it really hard, and they will come up with a patch really quickly. But in the interim, if you have a Samsung phone, S8, S9, please uh, switch off the Samsung app or switch away from the Samsung SMS app and use another form of uh, app for now. And um hopefully none of your interesting photos will be sent to random strangers going forward. Now the 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 app that I wanted to recommend to people, and this is specifically for Android guys, all the Apple people out there have been using FaceTime for ages. Video, it's brilliant. You could FaceTime from your laptop, you could FaceTime from your phone, you could FaceTime from your iPad, you can almost I don't know you can, but you could almost FaceTime from your watch. So And the benefit of it was that you you logged in once, and you logged in across multiple devices. You could even have three iPhones, two iPads, two laptops, all connected to the same Facebook platform, and you could answer on any one or initiate messages from anyone. It was just a simple, easy way to video call across every single device that you had within the Apple ecosystem. Well, Google have been perfecting their FaceTime app called Google Duo. Now, most phones, or well, most of the newer phones, come with Google Duo pre-installed. It's there. It's a FaceTime-style uh, video conferencing or video app where you can see the person and chat to them. And if it's not, you just go to the Google Play Store, you download Duo, D-U-O, easy, and you can install it and start video chatting instantly. I know there are a lot of them out there, but I must say Google Duo is great. The reason to use Google Duo, one, it's really well integrated into the um Android platform, Two, it's very light on data. I must say the little bit that I've used it, it's pretty light on data. And the quality across somewhat dodgy networks is really good. So try it out. But what they've announced is that the app, if you update the app now, which is cool, um, if you have it, you can update it. And if you don't have it and you download it, you can now sign on to more than one device, just like um, your friends with their Apple phones. You can now sign on to multiple devices with your Google Duo app, and you can receive your calls, video calls on all those apps. You can view them. You can sign in. You can sign out. You can initiate from it directly, and um, it absolutely works perfectly. I've tried it on a couple of my devices, and there's no question that it's it's one of the better, easier, simple. It's got a great, simple interface. You don't have to be an expert to use it. You just connects to your your phone book. And if someone else has got Duo, you can instantly, that's the one catch. Both of you have to have Duo, same as Skype or any other platform. So if you have it, try it and you can now sign on to your other devices. You can have two or three phones all connected to the same Duo account. And on that note, I can see I'm being waved at while they continue to glue stuff on the wall here in the studio. The glue is making me sound a little bit more excited than I normally would. It's quite interesting. So on that note, till next week this is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk right here on High FM.